Welcome to the Enneagram and Christianity Podcast with your hosts, lead pastors Claire and Scott Lorridge from Crossroads Church and Ministries in Marshall, Michigan. In this Advent 2020 season, we're asking the question, how will you unwrap the gift of Christ in you this Advent season? We hope that you'll join us December 1st through December 25th as this podcast will create space for you to unwrap the gifts of Christ's presence for every Enneagram personality style. So dive in, let's take a listen, and let's unwrap the gift of Christ. Here's Claire and Scott. Well, this is like a gift, a surprising gift. We were just in a meeting and uh, I, I got to be with two of my favorite friends that are uh, Enneagram style sixes. Um, Erica Vinson, who you all were with on day one of the blog, and Kathleen Acker, uh, who is um, my California friend. And <laughs> so welcome to both of you. Thank you, Claire. Great to be here. Yeah. And what a gift, right, to be with two sixes. I know. I know all we need is Scott so that we could have three, six, nine. Maybe he'll come. Who knows what, who knows what might happen? Maybe we will. And we'll feel more complete. That's right. Our head, heart, and our gut. Our guts. We need our guts, Scott. We do need our guts. Yes. It's great to be back for a harmonious discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your tree. It is, you know, we're, we've got the festivity going on here, and uh, and it gives us a sense of um, what we're waiting for, what we're longing for. Um, I know that in these days of Advent, we're very aware of what is, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes we're aware of what isn't, and we were just talking about how um, it is what it is, and that is our teacher, as Richard would say, uh, it is what it is, and that is our teacher. Mm. And as a group of, um, uh, of friends on this blog, we've been looking at unwrapping characteristics of Christ that make us aware of the presence of Christ. And today's word is the word obedient. Um, and that is not a very popular word these days. Uh, we all want to do what we want to do. You know, we're Americans. We have rights. Um, and, uh, and we, you know, we are aware that our liberty um, sometimes feels like it's, it's being uh, stifled or taken during these days of uh, COVID-19. And yet I, I feel like um, it's a wonderful opportunity to practice it's to Christ and that Christ was obedient even to death on the cross. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, as Christ followers, we are, um, you know, we're aware of our liberty where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And yet uh, we've been invited into this kind of life that takes up our cross daily. Um, that has uh, a call to obey uh, to trust and obey. I think that's one of the little Sunday school songs we learned, trust and obey. And, um, and I wonder, you know, uh, in a time like this, uh, 
what does the word obedience mean for each of the Enneagram styles? I'm going to share my screen really quick and just take a look at um, the, you know, the, the head, heart, and gut of the Enneagram, you know, and that we know that there are those um, that live in their GQ, their body intelligence, that have a sense in their gut, this is right, this is wrong. They know in their bones, I will, I won't, right? And then there are those, the twos, the threes, and the fours that are in the heart space that, you know, they, they have really strong feelings around how they, they bring themselves into the world. And um, maybe they're, they're saying right now, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I want to. That is not, you know, that is not loving to, um, to do this or that. Or that's not efficient or effective for me to obey that law of the land. Or, you know, fours that might get reckless, dauntless and say, nobody is telling me what to do right now, right? And then we get into the headspace, which is where, you know, the two of you, my friends, are where, uh, you know, in the headspace, there are ways that you view the world for safety and security, and so what is it like to be a follower of Christ right now? I wonder as a five who uh, needs more information before they decide to go along with what is being uh, offered as information. What's it like for a seven who is really wanting to, you know, get out of the boredom of the way things have been since March and live a little, you know, uh, you know, uh, la dolce vita. I want the sweet life. I want to get out there and, and live. Or as sixes, our dear friends, you know, who, um, who really are faithful and loyal. Uh, and yet, you know, when you're, when you're living from your best self, you're courageous. And, and so what does obedience look like for you right now? That, that was a big, long intro to ask you. What is obedience like? And then I'll tee it up a little bit with you, Kathleen, just knowing that um, while we won't talk about decisions that you're making even in the, you know, in this season that are pretty uh, courageous and, uh, and, and willing to take a step into the unknown, uh, as Elsa would say, you know, I think it's Elsa that says into the unknown, right? Um, and, uh, and yet you have this courage to be obedient to what you believe God is calling you to do and be. So I'm going to ask Scott if you would take the dog uh, and help her be obedient. Everybody say goodbye to Scott. She's about to get quarantined. Hey, Scott. Scott, Sky. <laughs> so tell me about that, um, Kathleen. What? What it's like for you right now to be taking courageous steps into the unknown and obey what you believe God has been putting in your heart for quite a long time. Uh, you know, Claire, I don't mind talking about this at all. Um, you know, it's, I, I want to backtrack a little bit listening to what you were, you know, sharing in terms of, you know, identifying as a six and that space of wanting safety and security I'm reminded just because of a, a place I've landed in scripture, just actually related to, to ministry in terms of 
the um, account in Luke 15, you know, we often talk about the prodigal son, you know, who squandered everything and, you know, was welcomed back by his amazing father. But really, it's an account of prodigal God, this, you know, this father who loved extravagantly and inaccessibly and without, you know, no limit um, for, you know, the younger son, but also for the older son and, and reflecting on that older son who was so angry over the celebration for this younger son. And, and I guess maybe as a six identifying with that older son as someone who was, you know, the older son was dutiful and said that, you know, he had, you know, he just, he'd followed all of his father's orders, done all these things and worked so, so hard and yet missed, missed the, closeness in the relationship with the father and access to everything that the father had. And so even as I think of, of, you know, this time that we're going through that, you know, I I can work so hard for, in a sense, the wrong things Mm -hmm. work so hard for those things that make me safe or make, or I think make me secure rather than just using and, and taking advantage of, all the ways, all the ways, many that I didn't want or, you know, haven't liked in terms of this season of this pandemic, but to, to really be reminded of what it looks like to be with a prodigal God, to be with this extravagant, lavishly loving God who, to have access to everything. And it's like, how often do I live that way, enjoying that kind of relationship and I just feel like I'm slowly entering into that because of this time, which has, I think, allowed me and opened me up to um, what God has placed in me, like what is mine to do? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's what obedience is about. It's what has God called me to do and submitting to that? What is mine to do? I can't do everything. I can't do what you do. I can't do what Erica does, but what is mine to do? And so for me, as I've reflected on where I feel like God's inviting me to grow as a more faithful companion to, to others on the spiritual journey. For me, it means leaving our church staff and I'm not leaving our church. I'm, I'm still going to be, you know, part of it, but I am leaving my, my position. There's a place of, you know, if there's security and safety in that, I'm going to miss the collaboration with, you know, my colleagues again, they'll still be my friends, but it's, it's following, um, that which I believe is mine to do. And it's something different in a season. I don't fully know. I can't, you know, it would, it actually would be really nice if I could tell you. And even if I could tell people, well, I'm leaving staff because I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's much more acceptable and understanding. (laughs) Uh, But when I'm saying, well, I'm making a shift, basically what I'm doing is I'm ending one thing to create room for something new, even though I don't know what the end's going to look like. And that to me is the spiritual journey. Yeah. I would like to be able to say in, in my, in, in my not so healthy space to say, well, it looks like this, like it's, you know, it's all, it's like a nice, neat little bow. Well, that's not life. <laughs> so I don't know if that kind of summarized what you were asking or not. I covered a lot. Well, and let me ask you, so how many years have you been on staff there? Uh, about 14 and a half. 14 and a half. That's, that's a, a long commitment, a very yeah. long commitment. 
And, and so when you are venturing into the unknown, um, you, you know, you have a love for people, you're staying at the church where you are. Um, and, uh, and so that's beautiful. But, um, when you think about being obedient and yet your husband is staying on staff, yes, that feel like, you know, cause the two of you have been serving together these years. What's that going to be like where he is still serving there and you're going into the unknown? Well, hopefully we'll, I mean, I just believe we'll continue to support each other on, on our journeys and, you know, I will continue to support him. It's just, it's going to look different. There's going, I mean, I I think in any transition and change, there'll be some loss and, you know, some grieving, some things that are different, uh, things that we both have to enter into and sort of accept. And I I just know that he supports me fully in um, moving into sort of spiritual formation, um, doing, I'm doing training and spiritual direction. So he, he, he believes in me. So it, it's a good thing. He's, uh, I mean, I'm sure on his selfish side would say, well, no, it's, it's easier and nicer for him to have me involved in meetings and hearing the same thing. So there'll, there'll be some things that, that shift. Yeah. And yeah. And, but, and so when did you know? I mean, so here's one of the things like, was there a day that you heard God say, Kathleen, I am calling you to do X. And you said, yes, here I am, the maidservant of the Lord, like Mary, that ob- obedient response. What, or was it over time that you were sensing that God was calling you to obey in a different way? You know, it's, it was definitely over time. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love Mary and, you know, that, that, that kind of submission of just, you know, God, whatever you want to do, hopefully that's. I have that reflected in my heart that, you know, my desire is to please God, even as, you know, what Thomas Burton has said, we don't always know that we're pleasing God, but that's our desire. And so I think it's just been, it's been an ongoing journey. I have prayed for a long time to have discernment related to my ministry position. And as my position has, has shifted, Uh, I think that's part of it too, that became clear for me that the things I'm being asked to do, well, I can do them and I will do them faithfully and I will work hard. They're not the most life-giving. I don't think they come from that deepest place of, of who God created me to be. So as that has become, that has become clearer over time, probably in, in the last uh, six months or so, maybe six to nine months. Even as, even a year ago, I was already beginning, um, you know, to evaluate and as things were already shifting in my job description shared with my, uh, uh, team, uh, team leader who was not my husband, which is a gift. <laughs> I mean, I love him, but you know, anyways, it's good that he's not my boss and it just shared that I was, uh, you know, I just, I was in a place of evaluating and listening and discerning. So I've, I've made it clear uh, that to others that I, I have been discerning because I don't want to just discern on my own. I want input from others. And so I have been, you know, getting feedback from people. And, and then over the summer, it just became, it just became clearer. I will also say though, even as it became clearer, there were those moments of doubt of going, oh, do I really, God, am I really hearing you? Mm-hmm. And, and realizing the, you know, some of the ramifications, even financially, things that, you know, again, we're just, 
out of my comfort zone, but then realizing, no, I believe God wants me to do this. And uh, not having all the answers. Again, it just, hopefully people that are familiar with the Enneagram, you know, you can just hear all of the sick stuff in the midst of what I'm sharing. Well, and you know, what's beautiful, I'm glad you said the word discernment, because of course, as we look at the Harmony Triad model, we have a, a, a model for discernment, checking in with head, heart, and gut. And I think about the, you know, the fact that many people will say, well, God told me, God said, and many times we're just, we're really just using God um, yeah. to say that this is what I want to do, right? And, uh, and so the discernment process for you, um, was there a good question or was there a, a sense in your body or was there a, um, an, you know, a, a consolation or desolation that gave you the final, um, I, and let me say this, I love that you said that you did it in community because many times when people are making decisions and saying, I'm just obeying God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obeying what the spirit of God is saying, but they have not checked in with the, with the spiritual leaders in their lives that they have trusted, the spiritual friends, the community that they've, they've been in. So, you know, just give us one or two of those things that as a six, you know, what, how did you check in with your heart and your body in this, uh, in this journey of discernment? You know, one of the things that I have noticed in my body, um, just when I have started, you know, well, but part of it's been when I've had to do some of the things like in person, socially distanced and all that stuff, but, but doing them more in person than, than via like zoom. I noticed rising anxiety in my body that, that the things that I was being asked to do were really, I mean, there's, and I guess it's discernment between taking me out of what is sort of my comfort zone, but the anxiety that is exhausting. So kind of like that desolation of, you know, entering into an activity, a way of, you know, serving, all good things, nothing bad, all good things. And yet at the end of that feeling some, well, if actually probably feeling anxiety going into it and then feeling just this exhaustion and, and really a desolation when it's over and going, mm, just noticing that. So I think that's in my body, some desolation and consolation around some of the activities uh, related to just my pastoral role. And again, loving people, but ways that I, you know, need to come alongside people, just not the most life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I can do it. And I don't think anyone would say like I did a bad job kind of thing, but I just know in my soul, it wouldn't be sustaining, wouldn't be life-giving. I, I, I mean, I've just, I think Erica earlier in our, our other meeting talked about, you know, authentic, being authentic, being present authentically in a life-giving way, you know, who we're made to be. And it's sometimes hard to, I think, to figure out exactly who we're made to be, who I'm made to be, especially as a six, because I can so often look to other people as authorities in my life to tell me. So this process has been paying more attention to, you know, in my gut, in my body, what is life-giving, what I'm drawn to, doesn't make it easy. The things that I'm drawn to in terms of spiritual direction, it's not necessarily easy it, it's life-giving and, and learning just to be a better companion to people I love, no matter, even if I don't know exactly where it's going to all end up 
or land. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I love that. And and I also I'm gonna ask Erica, you know, just because you said that Erica's known about this part of your journey where you've been discerning for a long time. And Erica, is there something you want to say to Kathleen about her discernment process? Well, thank you for sharing, Kathleen. Um, what I heard as a fellow six sounds like devotion. Mm-hmm. And Ruth Haley Barton said um, once of being on a faith journey and being, you know, someone who's brought up in the church, you know, you say you're on a faith journey, but maybe faith means letting go before you know. Mm. And so I just, as a fellow six, as a friend, just say, I see you. I see the angst. I know the angst. I resonate deeply with your story. I've walked a similar discernment journey and I just see your courage to Mm -hmm. step out and to be available and obedient to God before Mm -hmm. you know what the next step is. And so um, thank you for just being a a great example of trust and obedience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, in our, uh, in our training, we talk about uh, choosing Christ in the world and, um, and how, you know, discernment is really not, deciding between good and evil it's it's deciding between two good things Mm -hmm. and uh and i love the way that uh, one of my teachers joseph tetlow puts it he said when a a person is experiencing strong consolation that person can make a decision even an important one and expect that they have made a good choice well Mm -hmm. so when they live easy in the context that they have chosen, that context and all perspective make excellent sense to them. And they find God easily every day. Mm. And desires are strong and consoling. And they decide peacefully and clearly. And this good choice is a sense of choosing well. So I love that even as Erica is saying this to you, you know, she She's been one of those people that's watched your journey. And um, we want to just say, um, you know, you've learned from Mary and you've learned from Jesus, not my will, but your will, how to make uh, the decision by paying attention to what's happening in your whole person, by trusting that the spirit of God in you, as well as those companions that you have, are able to resonate and say, um, well done, Kathleen. Uh, thank you for being an example to us of, of choosing well and, and being a, an embodiment of Christ to us uh, as obedient in a day when obedience is not a popular word. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so thank you. Do you have any parting words for our friends today? Well, I'm reminded listening to you, Claire, that so often deciding between good and evil, sometimes that's easy, you know, that's easier. It's, it's in a sense, it's clearer. And, and yet just being reminded, and especially from a, a sick space to, to trust, obviously having good mentors, uh, friends, spiritual companions, a spiritual director, even Erica, like real, people who listen, who don't tell me what to do, who listen who listen to me, who listen to what's on my heart, what's in my heart to discover, you know, in a sense, my authentic voice 
the voice that is God-given, not a voice independent from God, a voice that reflects God's heart and God's spirit. And to me, I just think it's so important. It reminds me of the importance of listening well to ourselves, listening well to other people, listening well to God. And it's that whole combination. And even thinking of the motions of the soul, of listening to, you know, before God, our heads, our heart, our gut, our bodies, paying attention. And for me, the invitation that's probably one of the most important and maybe sometimes the most challenging is listening in my body, listening to um, yeah, what my body's saying, to what my gut's saying, and not dismissing it quickly with my mind, but paying attention and knowing that, you know, the 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 God, the the Christ who came at Christmas that we celebrate coming, you know, comes to us and is, you know, continues to be born in us. And to me, as he came bodily to be with us, to be like us, came to be in us. Mm. So so grateful for that. Well, I think what I'll do is I will, um, uh, as we post this on the blog, we'll also post a body prayer for people to pay attention to the motions of their soul and, uh, and practice what you've been practicing now for these months uh, in order to, you know, to uh, stand at the crossroads and look, ask where the good way is, and, uh, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Thank Amen. You. Thank you, Erica. Any parting words, Erica? Thanks for staying on with us. We just love being with you. Well, it's been a gift to listen with you and to see the journey, Kathleen. And I'm reminded kind of even of the scripture you went and started with, you know, from Luke, as you're talking about the prodigal and Claire has written a beautiful blog about the Rembrandt painting and the prodigal. And I think for a type six, you know, you mentioned the, the messy and the ways that, you know, we can check in with the external committee and really the, the Rembrandt painting for me as a six is to come back and say, but how many times did you return today? Mm-hmm. So you noticed and you were distracted by many things and, oh, you, you weren't your best self here and, oh, that was messy, but how many times were you obedient to return? And so that's been the gift of the Enneagram and the gift of grace really in this season. So thank you for sharing that story um, because it, it just remembered my heart um, even to offer grace in this season to, to be willing to return, as you said with the Merton poem is, you know, that it does in fact please God. Yeah, that's great. Well, Kathleen, can you just pray for us as we close for people who are discerning uh, the will of God and want to be obedient to uh, the motions of their soul and the way Christ, the spirit of Christ is moving within them and leading them? Sure. God, our Father, God, our Son, God, the Spirit, the Divine Thank you so much for how you have created and made each one of us. I pray that you would give us uh, the ability to see with our minds, to deeply hear in our bodies, to, to know in our hearts, just 
even sort of mixing up some of those metaphors of how we experience you, how we listen to you, to know who you have made us to be, what is ours to do, and that you will grant courage for us to step out in faith, trusting you for whatever our next step is. We don't need to know the whole journey. We just need to each know what our next step is. So I pray for whatever people are discerning, that they would uh, just know, know what is theirs to do and what is the next thing for them to do. And we ask this in the strong and powerful name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks. Thanks for this impromptu, wonderful way of being together. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining with us today on the Enneagram and Christianity podcast. We would love to connect with you as you wait for Christ to be revealed and offer spiritual practices to stay present to Christ's presence within you this Advent season. You can check out Scott and Claire's Enneagram website by going to scottandclairelorage.org. That's S-C-O-T-T-A-N-D-C-L-A-R-E-L-O-U-G-H-R-I-G-E dot org. And when you go there, you can check out the blog and the vlog and all things Enneagram. And of course, you can go to ccmonline.org. We hope that you'll be able to join us each and every day through the season of Advent as we give thanks for the faithfulness of Christ. Hope to see you soon.